Written on the pages of the great book of nature lies a truth so profound that it has beckoned men and women throughout the ages to seek its wisdom. We will continue this quest and study many stories of humanity as we search for this light. On this journey, we will examine philosophy, religion, and science to uncover the hidden mysteries behind myth and legend using the symbols of universal Freemasonry. Welcome to Legends of the Craft. Let's start again. All right. All right. Thank, uh, welcome back to Legends of the Craft. I'm here with my co-host, Brother Axel Savari. It's a pleasure to be back in the studio with you. And we have our special guest today, Brother Kat Smith, who is, she can explain herself. <laughs> Nobody can explain me. <laughs> Hi, guys. It is lovely and wonderful to be here. I'm Kat. I'm an actor and a musician and a writer and a general nuisance. Um, General nuisance salute, and I've been cosplaying since before they had a word for it, uh, which makes me really freaking old. So, for those of us in the audience, uh, myself included, who aren't really familiar with cosplay or the culture around it, can you give us some idea of what it is, where it came from, and where it is now today? I want to give credit for inventing it to like. Japanese fan culture and anime and all that, but I don't know anything about that, so I could be totally talking out of my orifices that aren't my mouth. Um, <laughs> as far as I know, I mean, I first got into it with Rocky Horror, really. Um, and it's just a question of people like, okay, so there's fandom, and people express their fandom and their love for things however they do it. And for some people, it's writing it down and some people it's writing you know stories of their own with the characters in their in the in the same universe you know fan fiction or it's hanging posters on the walls or however it is we express our our love for the thing and for some of us the some of us express their love for a thing sartorially which is one of my favorite words ever um and you like you love the thing and you dress up in the thing that you love. And especially if you are at all craft-minded, which I'm, you you know, it's it you spend enough time staring at the thing that you love and the cool costume that the character that you love is wearing. And after a while you go, I wonder how I could make that, or I wonder where I could buy that. And then you go and you do it. And there are different I've always felt that there isn't any wrong way to do cosplay, which now that I say it out loud, that's really not true because there are some people that are not cool with it. But it, there, there are people who like to make a costume and then there are people who like to make a costume and act like the character and run around and pose for pictures or whatever in character. And you go to a uh, uh, an event like a, a con, like a comic con, that's your excuse to wear the stuff or do a photo shoot. And now we have the internet, you don't have to leave the house to get your, your costume attention. I'm personally not one of those people that likes to, that wants to become the character. Like if a kid wants a hug and I'm whatever character I'm being, then sure, I'll, I'll river song at some kid and call them sweetie and whatever. But I want to, if I'm at a, convention or something I want to hang out with my friends and look pretty in my stuff but there are people who run around in character all day and that's cool too so and I and I know people who have used cosplay as a as a and through these other characters it's helped them find themselves as as people it's it's really it's the way it's evolved has become fascinating and and it's almost mainstream now it used to be we're it was a very niche thing. I mean, fandom in general used to be very niche and you had to, you know, be one of those Star Trek people or, you know, it, it, it had to be a specific thing and either you wore a Starfleet uniform or you dressed up as a Klingon and those were kind of your options, you know, and you went to a... And now it's everywhere. Now it's, you can 
go to stores and buy and buy cosplay items. You can go to, I was just in Disney World, walking around the Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars thing, and they're selling cosplay items. They're selling costume pieces that are like really nice quality. I was very impressed. So that, I mean, that just to me is a big statement of, of how mainstream it's become. Should I keep going? I mean, <laughs> I've been talking for five minutes. No, 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 I mean, yes, but let's, let's, <laughs> let's go down a couple of roads here. Okay. So, I, you know, listening to you, Brother Smith, um, I think of three things, okay? I think of, you know, as masonry, as the original cosplay, you know, masons dressing up as, as different characters and, and playing out different psyches and different scenarios uh, for all the same reasons that you just stated. Yeah. The second thing is is your point about people um, help you know, it helps them build self esteem and and other psychological factors and and dressing up and playing out these heroes of theirs. Uh, it's helped them develop themselves as a person, and I think that's something we should definitely talk about and explore. Yeah. And the third thing, what I was thinking, it just crossed my mind. I'm like, man, if we go back to the ancient mysteries, I mean, what were the Egyptians doing? They're putting on masks of of their gods of different animals and doing the same thing so this is not something new this is literally something that is thousands of years old so i know those were kind of three little points i was thinking maybe we could talk about separately and kind of break those down what do you think yeah i, I that's a very good point yeah i especially like the idea of of using a costume or a mask like you said to to inhabit your hero because I, I assume you know you're not dressing up as people that you don't like right these are these are characters in universes that you resonate with and that mean something to you and that allow you to express a, a part of yourself that maybe doesn't have an outlet in the world that you inhabit in your day-to-day -day consciousness but by by going it literally going into this character you can you can dig up some piece of your character or your psyche that doesn't get expressed and kind of explore it, walk around in it and see how that perspective would change your life. Yeah. I, I'm not a cosplayer, so I don't know. I mean, no, it's absolutely true. I, um, I mean, I did it back in the day and, and my Rocky Horror days and that whole thing, which is kind of like a, I don't want to say official cosplay because you're dressing up as something very specific to match with this specific movie and you're getting up and acting it out. And that, that Rocky Horror is its own, thing which we could do a whole a whole episode on mm -hmm. um if you ever figure out how to connect rocky heart to masonry i really want to know um for you i'll work on it <laughs> you know there are callbacks and call and responses and i don't i don't know there's got to be something there um but for me like i was away from it for a long time and then um fast forward a bunch of years and i'm a doctor who fan all of a sudden and I'm, you know, turning 40 or thereabouts, and I'm recently divorced, and, and all of a sudden there's this woman on my television who is not 25, not wearing spandex, um, has hair like mine, and, you know, and is Alex Kingston as River Song and is amazing, and I went, wow, that could, and so it, I mean, I, I'm always saying she's my Tay Diggs. You know that movie, How Stella Got Her Groove Back? It's, River was kind of how I got my groove back. Um, and I was terrified because she's, she's all of these things that I had almost forgotten that I was. You know, she was, she's sassy and she's sexy and, and, and smart and, and independent and strong and all of these things that I had forgotten that I was, but that, that was in there. And so really through through collecting the clothes and the looks and the, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and just spending some time in, in that skin almost. It, it helped me rediscover those parts of, of myself that, that had gone quiet or that, that had just not been out in the sun for a really long time. You know, and I, I, Listening to you talk too, I'm, I'm actually kind of oddly reminded of the Stanford prison experiments in the way that when they conducted those experiments, when the guards put on sunglasses, it wasn't that they were, you know, like exploring a different part of their, their psyche. They literally became a different person when huh. that mask was put on. And I wonder if like, it's not, you know, I, I wonder if there's a, uh, 
uh, quotes, real effect to this too, that like putting on a different skin or a mask is, a, is something that has a little bit more magical power than just, you know, just unlocking something in your psyche. Maybe you are actually kind of becoming something different or channeling down something that maybe is outside of you that you don't possess. Maybe that's another reason to wear a mask is to bring, bring some element of a character that you don't have, that you know you don't have, mm -hmm. and to add that to you. I, I think absolutely. You ever hear the story about um, David Bowie and some kid? Do you know this one? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm going to tell it badly because I don't remember the, the context of it or where he was, but he, he met some little kid who was shy and he told the kid that even he has an invisible mask and when he wears it, he can be brave and the kid has one too. And so he can just put on his invisible mask that will make him whatever kind of superhero he needs to be, whether it's you know, David Bowie, a, a superhero. Uh, and I always thought that was terribly, terribly cool of him. Well, I'm thinking back to, to my youth. So I, uh, I'm a Trekkie. I love Star Trek. And uh, when I, in the 90s, I was going to Star Trek conventions, which at the time was pretty geeky, pretty nerdy. I definitely didn't tell on? too many people that I was doing that because I would be ridiculed. Hmm? Did you dress up as a Klingon? No, not a Klingon. I'm not a fan of the Klingons. I, I was a Starfleet officer, you know? <laughs> okay. um, I, I had a Next Generation costume. I did. I had a uniform, so. Oh, yeah. So, to me, the Next Generation was like, it, it actually defined me as a human being, you know, the show. You know, Captain yeah. Picard, the Prime Directive, the values of Starfleet. They developed me as a person. Like, it, it, people could laugh at me about it, but, like, literally that show – I think it started in like 1987. I used to watch it with my dad when I was like seven years old. And I watched it all the way through. I watched every episode like 800 times. And I'd go to these conventions with a buddy of mine. And to me, it, was, it, was, it, was, it defined me as a human being. The values in that show helped define my values. And I remember being in middle school and we were, I was with a group of friends. And I said that me and my buddy went to this convention. And my buddy like was so upset that I had mentioned it. And then everyone started laughing at us. And, and of course, at that age, it, that kind of affected me in a negative way that I no longer wanted to do those things. Aww. But the damage had been done. Like going to the convention had been a very positive effect. And, and that show had been a very positive effect on me. And by the time I'd gotten to the high school and college, I was just like, I don't even care what these people think anymore. Like, mm -hmm. if you're going to laugh at that, you suck. So I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> but that, you know, putting on that uniform, um, was very empowering for me. And, it, you know, transitioned into Freemasonry. I joined when I was 21. But, you know, it's, it's sort of the same thing, like putting on the uniform that we do and, and doing the things we do is empowering. You know, it makes me feel like I'm being the person that I want to be, that I'm not always. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I get, to, I get to fake it till I make it. <laughs> well, I think that's, you know, there's a reason why, you know, we don't meet in a lodge every day. I mean, we are Masons all the time. You, you can't undo that. But there's a reason that there are specific times and places and, and ways in which we conduct ourselves that formally or that ritualistically, because it's not an everyday experience. It is an experience of, of touching up against something that you are not all the time. Yeah. Right? Like that idea of like, of encountering this character that you are in Lodge. Not just, not, I'm, I'm not trying to cheapen it by using the word character. I think like the word character has a negative connotation, like it's something fake, but I don't, I don't mean it that way. I mean it in the sense of like, of another personality that is the best version of you that possibly can exist and, and inhabiting that when you, when you are in the right time, in the right place and, and to use that experience and that time there to shape your, uh, I guess you call it your lesser version, right? So that you become more and more in line over time with that, with that idea. It's also been, I mean, for me, the, the, you talk about lodge behavior as opposed to rest of the time. One of the things that's always been challenging for me about Freemasonry and why, and one of the things I value about it is that I'm the world's most informal human. I am the most casual, I, I could meet God and I'll accidentally call him dude. You know, it's just like, whatever. I, and, but that's not appropriate everywhere. 
you know, and it's been hard for me from, from the very beginning, it's been hard for me to collect myself to go, no, no, Lodge is not the place where you call everybody dude. Lodge is not the place where you slouch in your seat because it's more comfortable. Lodge is not the place where you make a joke because something is funny in your brain, you know? Um, so it's, it's one of those subduing of the passions things. It's, it's one of those, um, it, it's those, those, it's not that I'm squelching myself. It's I'm encouraging parts of myself that don't come as naturally, but are necessary sometimes, you know, because sometimes there are places in life that, that call for, for formal behavior, that call for that kind of thing. So it's good to, Lodge for me has always been kind of like yoga. A lot of the ritual has, has always been kind of like yoga where you move through it and it's occupying enough of your brain and your body that it that it it's an it drowns out any other any noise you're not thinking about what you're going to have for dinner and you're not thinking about where you left your keys mm-hmm. and you're not thinking about you know all that other crap and you're and you're just you're focused and you're physically focused and and that just because that noise is gone it helps there to be clarity about other things does that make sense mm-hmm. no absolutely and I, and I get the same thing when i move through like it through a yoga practice it fills up enough of your brain and your body that the noise is quieted and other things can come through, be it peace of mind or insight or, or whatever. So adding, adding costumes and props and whatever, that's just, that's just more of that. It's, you know, adding to, to, to the ritual and, and the stuff. And it's just, it just helps you further along in there into it masonry is always so much of it has been is 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 so theatrical in in so many ways and and that's always appealed to me i mean and and i agree with you i actually one one of my um one of my critiques of masonry would be that i think it's lost a bit of the flair for the dramatic uh over the last hundred years you know i think mailcraft masonry has slowly sort of uh gutted that a little bit because you know, in, in very old times, what would you say? <laughs> they replaced it with beer. Well, yeah, you, you, you go to lodge to have some beers and hang out with your bros <laughs> instead of dressing up like actually like King Solomon. Yeah, they would actually dress up in these characters. If you look at old photos, especially from the Scottish Rite, everybody had a different like mm-hmm. the guards were dressed as actual guards. The kings had huge robes and scepters and all these things, and and and. All these characters, the the Knights Templar degree, they all dressed up as actual. Oh, if you Knights look at Templar. those those parades from like the the early tens and twenties of the twentieth century, like there there's like every different rank and degree is represented, and they've got their full regalia. It looks like a royal procession. Yeah, and there have been there have been ceremonies that you know advancement ceremonies that I've gone through that are, are some are more so than others, but I'm like, wow, this is choreographed. This is amazing you know, with, with their, this is a piece of theater, there's lines and the, and I don't want to cheapen it by cause, by calling it theater, but. Well, but if you look at the origin of theater, right? The, like the, the old Greek morality plays, yeah. like it wasn't just entertainment. This is oh, like yeah. where the, the community gathered to learn about morality from the philosophers. Yeah. They're also the ones writing the plays. It wasn't just some, you know, it wasn't cheap when it was originally developed, it was a way to experience things that affected you that you may not encounter in your life. Like it may take you 20 years to have the experience that's depicted in the play, but in the same way that, you know, masonry does this theater allows us to see into life in a way that might not be available to us until later, or maybe never, like we may never have the experience of, you know, Willie Loman and the death of a salesman, but we can still learn from that in the same way that, you know, we're never going to go back in time, you know, in to the times that are addressed in Masonic ritual, but we can have the experiences of those times, you know, outside of that historical context, outside of being directly located there. We can have all of these rich experiences that people deem necessary to pass on throughout the ages. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, don't think for even a second that I, I hold theater as something absolutely sacred. I've been in and around it my entire life and um, on both sides of the proscenium as an actor and as a, a, 
an, a pre an audience person. Um, I, I, I don't know how right. No, it, it is relevant um, to what you were just saying. Uh, a thing happened to me a couple of years ago that was really, really trippy. You want to talk about theater being able to allow you to be something that you were not, that you never ever were. So I wound up, um, you know the you know the play Lion in Winter. It's a great play of, mm -hmm. um, about Henry II and mm -hmm. Eleanor of Aquitaine and all of that. Okay, so my boyfriend was doing a, a local production of it, and the two weeks before it opened, the the girl who was playing the ingenue, the twenty three year old princess, fell and hit her head, and wasn't able to do the show. And they were terrified. What are we going to do? We have to cancel. And I'm like. Well, I mean, I'm sure I'm not right and I'm too old and whatever, but I'm not afraid of learning lines quickly. So if they, so the, I went in and the director read me and said, please come and join. And for the first time in my life, I was a princess. And this was weird at, you know, at the age of 40, blah, blah, blah. Um, because I'll tell you something, growing up as a, a, a chubby, brown-haired, brown-eyed child, Disney does a number on your head, and I have a low-pitched speaking voice, and I'm an alto, and I'm all of those things that princesses aren't. And all of a sudden, I'm a princess, and it was huge for me. It was huge. I mean, I, 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 like I blogged about this. It was, it was insane. And I... I yeah, they were grateful to have a warm body who could, you know, stand there and deliver the lines without drooling, but I got some games, so, you know, it, it, it turned out pretty well, and I was able to say the line where I said that I was 23 and nobody laughed, so that was cool, too. Um, but it was, it, was, it was insane, and ever, ever since then, I found myself... Um, I bought, a, a, you know, I mentioned that you can buy cosplay things from stores now. I, I bought a, a Sleeping Beauty cosplay piece from Hot Topic recently to wear to Disney, you know, because they call it Disney bounding when you dress up suggestive of a costume, but not, they're not, you're not allowed to go to Disney in costume unless it's Halloween or something. Um, but when you go in something that is festive and suggestive, it's called Disney bounding. So I, I bought it to be Disney, to, to, to be Disney boundy. And I, my whole thing was suck it. I can be a princess if I want to. Mm -hmm. And it seemed very, you know, you like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. But it, it was, it was big. It was big for me. And it took this, this experience in theater to make me f believe that I was entitled to it, that I was allowed to be a princess if I wanted to, you know? So through that, I mean, that was a gift. That was huge. I mean, I almost wonder if, you know, through theater, through, through Freemasonry, through whatever the venue, like, I wonder how important it would be for us to play out like a plethora of different characters, uh, like a princess or a prince, but also to be like a murderer, uh, to be uh, the hero, but also the villain. Like I, it might teach us to some degree, empathy, sympathy, understanding, putting yourself in other people's shoes by actually playing these parts. And I wonder if Freemasonry is kind of moving us towards that. Like, you know, by being these different roles and you can understand where these, I don't know, these archetypes come from or these, these, these different passions for these different, uh, types of pursuits, whether we consider them good or bad. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of an idea that um, probably wasn't his, but he was famous for popularizing of uh, Alan Watts, who is a, a Buddhist philosopher from the 60s. Um, but he had this whole uh, spiel. It's on YouTube. It's a great, you know, six minute talk to listen to. But he talks about, you know, the idea of God. What if you were God? And what if you got bored? And you would start, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, see yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you start spinning out these characters. And, and before long, you, you'd want to forget that you're God as the ultimate character and live all these lives and have all these experiences of, you know, being the murderer, the villain, or the hero, and, 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 but, or the, the garbage man or the coal mine. Like all of these things become necessary characters. And that there's this idea that that's what we are. That that's mm -hmm. what this life is, is that we are just these these characters that keep coming back to the eternal stage to just 
keep going through the script until everybody has had their experience, until every possible interpretation and fluctuation of that script has been told so that the, the entire story that is possible has been expressed and experienced. The human story. The, the human story, exactly. That's cool. I'm going to have to go look that up. Um, I mean, the concept of, of role play even has been a therapeutic tool for ages. You know, they'll, they'll, okay, well, you have this issue with your, with your father, so pretend that I'm him and talk to me, you know, or, or whatever, um, or for, for training exercises, or um, even for, you know, if you ever played Dungeons and Dragons or something, or any, any role-playing game, it's by being somebody else, we get to in, not just it's it's not always as as direct or as as I'm going to learn things about. It's also escapism because we need that. I want to get out of my own skin for a little while and be somebody else, and 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 that's valid too. But I think there's an element also of being able to experiment with morality, right? To to make moral decisions without the consequences of your day to day life, like. Uh, playing a role-playing game or even being in a play or something like you are enabled to enact moral choices that maybe you wouldn't make but that way like you can experience what that would be like yeah. without actually having to mm -hmm. negatively affect your life by doing you know terrible things you can kind of you can go down that uh, tunnel so to speak without having to be stuck there you know in your in your um, your actual life, you can you can go and experiment with morality in a way that isn't available to you otherwise. Well, I mean, think about it. Like, um, I mean, when you look at cosplay, I mean, there's 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 a couple factors there. I mean, one one is a sexual factor. I mean, there's there's that people dress up sexy or they they sort of sexualize uh, a certain character and all that. And I, I think that's that may be people exploring their sexuality in a way that may not be comfortable in their own home or in society or whatnot. Right. Mm -hmm. or, or am I making that up? So at least from the outsider's perspective and uh, perhaps brother Smith, you can speak to this more. There definitely does seem to be a major sexual component to cosplay. Um, you know, people want to express sides of themselves that they may feel are repressed in their day-to-day -day life or in their regular relationships with uh, people that may not, you know, share the same inclinations or fantasies as they do that. And that's a huge part of the human experience. I know it's like, you know, it's not something we talk about in public, but it's very deeply related to who we are and how we express ourselves. Right. Oh, yeah. And and it gives people this, this fantastical outlet in order to kind of illustrate a part of themselves that they may not be very familiar with. Did you did you read um, Watchmen, the original graphic novel? I never read it, but I love the movie. Okay, so you know how in the movie, um, when when Dan is trying to hook up with Lori, mm -hmm. and he can't get it up. Yes. And then he puts on his costume, and then he can. Mm -hmm. I always loved that. You know, think about that. <laughs> He, he's he's terrified. He's this aging, you know, and he's got a pot belly, and he's not, he hasn't been a, a proper superhero in ages, and blah, blah blah. And all of a sudden, he's going to get with this gorgeous woman, and 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 I think he's terrified, but and and it doesn't work. The, the physically, the plumbing does not work, and but then he puts on the costume, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, everything, well, falls into place. Um, <laughs> Started to say that went uh, what the hell say it anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I always loved that. But no, it's it's absolutely true, um, and that's got that's got downsides of it also because unfortunately, like a a, a girl will want to dress up in you know something that in which she feels empowered because it's sexy or it's whatever. And then there's some guy who thinks that that gives him an excuse to be grabby. So there's a whole big thing. You see posters all over the, all over places like New York Comic Con that say cosplay is not consent. Just because I am in this costume does not mean that you're allowed to get in my personal space. And it's sad that people need that reminder, but they do. But you know, I, I could. Matthias has seen pictures of, um, of of me and my boyfriend with our Game of Thrones costumes. 
you know, which is, is great fun. We're really obnoxious to make and we're great fun. We, as Cersei and Jamie Lannister. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a great Cersei, so that's true. <laughs> <Thank you>. um, <laughs> Yeah, but but you know this 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 sexual element. I mean, I think you know we call it sexual, but I think it's more than that. I think it's I think it's to your point, brother Cat. Like it's it's empowerment, yeah. and so I think like ultimately we dress up. Like even even if you put on a tuxedo, mm-hmm. you know, or a really nice dress, there's there's an element of empowering. Like mm-hmm. oh man, look at me. I look sharp. I'm in a tuxedo. I'm ready to yeah. take on the world. And so, you know, I think, you know, costumes for cosplay or for masonry and whatnot, it just takes it to another level mm-hmm. where it's focusing that empowerment to a very specific area. So whether it's sort of, you know, fetishy or, um, you know, you're, you're dressed up as a hero, you're, I think what we're trying to do is ultimately, I think we as human beings, I, I don't want to say that we feel empty, but we feel... We, we don't feel complete. Incomplete, yeah. Yeah, incomplete. That's, mm-hmm. that's the right way to say it. Like, we're incomplete. And so that when we watch these shows, we watch theater, when we read a book and, and we get these characters, these are people that we want to emulate for whatever reason. Yeah. We want to become empowered. I think that's the best way. That's the best thing you said. It's like we want to be empowered. And we need avenues to do that because otherwise, you know, we go to our cubicle every day. We work. Uh, we come home. We just watch these things, but there's a difference between working all day, having these dreams, coming home, and then watching these heroes that, okay, now I'm dressed like this hero. Mm-hmm. And that kind of takes it to mm-hmm. a heightened level of, of interaction. You know, it's really, really fascinating what you said there, because it, you're, through costumes, you're, you're actually talking about something that's really like central to the idea of the ancient mysteries themselves, right? Because every, every costume has a ritual that goes with it. Even the tuxedo and the evening dress that you're talking about, well, those are the costumes for our social rituals. You go out to the, the dinner party or whatever it is and, and you're wearing the tuxedo and you're filling your role as best man at the wedding or whatever. Like there's always a ritual that goes along with that. But I really like your point about, um, you know, our inherent sense of incompleteness. And that is like, that's the central, like, to me, the central question of the, of the mysteries is that man is missing something. Mm-hmm. Like, the human beings were once at a more complete state, and we have fallen or degraded ourselves into a less complete state. And, and the, the mystery traditions are getting us from the incomplete state back to the complete state. That every single tradition of religion and philosophy and occultism, like, they're all pointing us in that direction of, of moving from this fallen state to the more complete state. And so I think that's that's part of this drive that we all have to, to add these new layers and experiment with, with different characters and being different things because we're, we're not really certain what it is that we are. So we, have, we need all these avenues of exploration to go in all these different directions to, to try and find out what that is. So why, why and I agree with you, but like, why is it okay for a little kid to get dressed up in a, in a Superman costume? Why is it not okay? Why, why is there a large part of society that says, like, it's not okay for an adult to do that? What do you think, Brother Cat? Because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> they suck. I mean, look, I'm just, on the one hand, I'm so grateful that it's become more and more mainstream and more acceptable. And so I'm more allowed. To, look, I wasn't about to stop anyway, you know, but it, it, it is. It's more acceptable now. And at the same time, I think that there are limits to when when it's appropriate and when it's not for kids. And, you know, kid wouldn't wear his superhero costume to school if it wasn't Halloween or like a designated cosplay day. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was a, um, it was in the news in like 90 something where some woman got called to serve jury duty and she wanted to wear her Starfleet uniform. <laughs> this was a real thing. Um, I, I don't remember this at all. She wanted to wear her Starfleet uniform and they let her. She felt that because of the ideals, she felt very much the way you do, about that, that anybody would, about the ideals of Star Trek and the ideals of Starfleet and the United Federation of Plan, that whole thing. And it's represented by this uniform. And so like any civic duty, she's going to wear her uniform to jury duty. And I had to sit there and go, um, and they let her do it, which I, 
I don't know, I felt that that set a dangerous precedence. I was hoping that then somebody would rock up to jury duty dressed as Darth Vader and go, wait, but you do it. Because you're letting somebody sit on jury duty in what is essentially a Halloween costume. I love Star Trek, it's not real, you know? Now, that said, Starfleet, the fan organization, has kind of become a real thing. Nobody's going to space, but they meet, they do charitable works. Like, you know, the, the Star Wars 501st, the Star Wars 500. The Stormtroopers? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they do, not just Stormtroopers, but I mean, they, they go to events, they kick off baseball games, they do charity events, they do all this stuff. My friend, I'll show you pictures of her sometime, she's uh, Princess Leia with them, and when Carrie Fisher died, I swear to you, we all, we were all very, very sad, but we all felt a tiny bit better, knowing that this woman was still there because she looks just like her. And, you know, especially as, as a, like, okay, the spirit of, of her is still with us, thank you. Um, and, and so in that way, it kind of is civic duty. But when they let somebody sit on jury duty, it, I, I, I'm not sure how I felt about that. You know what, what I think that dissonance is, is that like, and it's the same reason that the the child has less of a problem, you know, dressing up in different situations, whereas an adult would say, well, that's not appropriate. It's like, as we get older, our belief in the drama and the game of society gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And that society has rituals and it requires certain costumes. And, you know, having somebody in a Starfleet uniform on jury duty is like having somebody in a Starfleet uniform in a Victorian period piece. Like the costume doesn't fit. And, it, and it's weird that like that makes us angry, right? That, that, like, that we get like uh, irritable. irritable or upset by the fact that this person isn't playing the game right. There's a costume. There's a specific ritual. There are lines that you say and, and you're not doing that, right? That there, there's this kind of like grading influence. And it, and it makes me think of... Um, you know, what Freemasonry is also is, is like, it's like the distillation of this game of civilization. It's like, it's, it's government and it's religion and philosophy all kind of like rolled into, it's like the essence of that game. But it too is a drama with its rules and its lines and its costumes and, and all of these things. But it's, it's kind of like distilled down to the essentials of which are then, uh, I don't know, distributed or watered out towards society at large that are then enacted. And, you know, and that's what, what you were saying before about how there's, there's parameters and there's rules and this is appropriate in this context. I think that, I, I, I think that adults should be allowed to, to play dress up. I think that we should be allowed to, to go trick-or-treating. I think that we should be allowed to do a lot of the things that kids are allowed to do. If we want to go and sit on Santa Claus's lap or whatever in a not creepy way, we want to, you know, <laughs> we should be allowed to do these things. But at the same time, like within the lodge, there's ways, there, there's boundaries. Like with anything, like with children, there have to be boundaries. Otherwise everything is running amok and it's not, and it's not good. Um, there was a book, what, what did I, what was it? Oh, I think it was A Wrinkle in Time where, by Madeline Lingle, where somebody is comparing life to a sonnet and how a sonnet is a very strict form of poetry. It's, you know, 14 lines in iambic pentameter with a couplet at the end. And if you do, if you deviate from this in any way, I'm, I'm talking about Shakespearean sonnet, there's different kinds, but if you deviate from this in any way, it is not a sonnet anymore. But within that structure, you're allowed to say whatever you want. You know, and so that's kind of, uh, that's a metaphor that's always stayed with me in, in, when talking about, yes, this is appropriate, but, you know, there, there are times when, when it is, when it is not. Um, well, that makes me, uh, that reminds me of the Masonic landmarks. Like, here are landmarks. This is masonry. You go outside of it. It's not masonry anymore. It's yeah. not that it's bad. It's just, it's something else now. Like the, everything has its boundaries. I mean, it's like if we went to a Masonic ceremony of initiation and, uh, and the guy decides to just start, you know, making up their own lines, yeah. taking the candidate in, in different directions, yeah. we'd be like, well, this, this wasn't a Masonic ceremony, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, or if somebody showed up not in their uniform, but their street clothes. Be like, well, you can't join us. Like you're not dressed appropriately for this. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's always these boundaries like you're talking about, but certainly 
I think our society has lightened up. Lightened up sounds the right word. Like it, the, the social consciousness has evolved. Yeah. And, and realized that we don't have to be so conservative with these boundaries. Like it's, it's not, the boundaries, there are boundaries, but they're not, they're not set in stone and they ebb and flow depending on what our society is doing and our civilization. And I think if we take that to masonry, you know, male craft masons are like, well, you know, the only people that can play these roles are men, you know, uh, or white men. So, nah, well, you know, I don't know about that, you know? So like the, the way society's opened up about cosplay and about a lot of different things, I think it's the same way that masonry has opened up to allow women and people of color and, and different sexual orientations to, to, part, to take part in this type of work that we do. And, um, and I think in that, that diversity brings a more theatrical element to the craft. It brings more, mm -hmm. it brings more color. It brings more, more life. beauty, more yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. So are we in lodge? Are we, are we men or are we women? Or we're, are human. We, we're human. Yeah. I, um, you ever watch Firefly? You watch Firefly? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. So you know how they, they call it the verse? Mm -hmm. And it's short for universe. So it's like apostrophe verse. And we all know that it's short for universe. As far, I wanted to start a movement where we were spelling apostrophe man. And we would just know that it was short for human. You know? So that's, that's what I think we are in the Lodge. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think that, you know, even using that term in the way that we do, with the traditional concept of the Masonic Lodge being a feminine thing, like we're, we're acting out a blending of dualities, you know, and, and to me that, that that's present everywhere in, in masonry and we're constantly being reminded of that, of mm -hmm. that, of that um, crossing of, of distinct energies and the blending and, and the, the increase in potency and power that comes when those things are, are balanced and feeding into one another. So I, I would agree with Brother Smith. I think it's, it's a reminder that we are becoming human and that we are transcending these, these limitations that are, you know, placed on us by our, our fleshly costume, if you will, because like you were saying earlier, like, there, there are boundaries and, and costumes themselves are boundaries. Like when you dress up as Iron Man, you're not Darth Vader, right? Like when you, when you put on one costume, you exclude every other costume by putting that one on. And in the same way that like dressing up as Axel in this life, right? Like putting on the skin and these experiences, I exclude myself from being you or from being Brother Smith. Like that, and in a lodge, we are, we're combining what was separated. So we're, we're coming back to that stage of, well, it's not about man or woman. It's about becoming human, right? And Restoring what was lost. What's funny is that there's such a thing as a mashup cosplay. I've seen them. I've done them. Um, uh, where you literally mash up two different characters with your costume. I've done, you know, there's River Song and then there's Ms. Frizzle from Magic School Bus. <laughs> and people always talk about how they're really the same person. So I built a a costume that was somewhere halfway between of both. And so that, that's interesting. If you, if you look at that, at the mashup cosplay as a metaphor for. So the question I have for everybody here is, you know, are we in lodge? Are we, are we meshing up being a man and a woman? Like, are we as being a Mason, are we saying we're both? And so, you know, especially we're, we're implementing a new, you know, a new costume, a new uniform in, in the order, which is, is it's sort of unisexual, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's feminine and it's masculine. So is, is that maybe the, the mask we're putting on, the costume we're putting on is like, look, I'm a human being. I am half woman. I am half man. Well, you and I have had the conversation about gender being a spectrum. And that's a whole, uh, that could be its own discussion, you know, that could be its own episode. We're, um, we're planning on that episode, which is, okay. you know, gender <laughs> and, and works, Freemasonry. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a whole other thing. Um, so it, it, if gender is a spectrum, and it is, it's not a question of one or the other, because it's not a, a binary situation. It's not either or. So I like the idea of of a more gender neutral lodge costume. And I like it for everybody. I mean, if you're not gonna let me wear the suit, um, <laughs> I've been nagging him for ages. <laughs> Come on, I look better in a suit than I do in this stupid thing. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I look good in a suit. What the hell? Um, and and really, for those of us who who kind of straddle the, the the spectrum in a lot of ways, and there are plenty of people out there. You know, Massachusetts. I, I just read this today. Massachusetts, uh, I think, is the first state to implement a non-binary option on their driver's license, which is amazing. And there are a lot of venues that you'll go to that have uh, gender-neutral bathrooms. As far as bathrooms go, if, as long as you don't pee on the seat, I don't care what parts you have. Um, you know, and it's stupid that anybody should care. But... Um, so I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of pitched the idea of if I'm willing to pay for two sets of lodge attire, depending on where I'm feeling that day, why is that not okay? But that said, it does simplify life too. It, it's like the sartorial Occam's razor. It, it, to have everybody wearing a gender neutral thing, I think is, is, the way, is definitely the way to go. Because then everybody's the same. And one of the things that, you know, when I first became a Mason, I chafed a little bit at the concept of being another brick in the wall. But then I realized that that's not it at all. You don't, it's not about stripping away the things that make you an individual. It's that that's not it at all. It's your you're taking all of those things. You can't get rid of those things. You're taking all of those things and, but you're fitting them into your, you're being water. You know how like Bruce Lee talked about the nature of, of water and how it can fit into any container. So you have to be like the nature of water. And that's, that's what we have to be. You have to still be you, but put the water into this this specific container so that it, it meshes with everybody else's, can, you know, with everybody else's and it's it it's not it's communion it's it, it's not a collective i didn't like thinking about it. i'm like we're not the borg for god's sake going back to star trek the next generation um we're, no we're it's not that we're the borg it's 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 communion everyone's bringing who they are to the greater whole well and i think too by removing the ability to rely on the outward manifestation of your character of your individuality um masonry or any or any system that uses uniforms to kind of accomplish the same end is like it's forcing you to um to express your individuality in ways that are beyond just outward appearances yeah. right to express your individuality through your character through your decisions through your interactions with other people through this co uh community I'm blanking on it. Community, um, communion. That's the yeah. word. Through the communion of all these people coming together, you can actually like by stripping away all of this outward stuff that our you know, our monkey senses tend to get, uh, you know, stuck on. We can actually interact with people on on the human level, on the on the level of who are you as an individual without all of your costumes, which I yeah. think is a, a purer expression of who the human being is. And 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 any system that allows us to to do that is one that's going to allow us to come closer together than we would if we're separated by all these, you know, decorations that we like to place on ourselves. And you get to, and you get to, like you said, find ways to bring your, yourself, your individuality in ways that are appropriate. I mean, my favorite thing, Brother Matisse could tell you, my favorite thing is the fact that we, I, I, I want to be the orator forever because now that we're allowed to read from things that are not, that we're not confined to the volumes of sacred lore, I have the best time finding appropriate things to read in, in the lodge. And that's, yeah, I mean, he he said he trusts me, so I, I've, I've. She's I've, always coming up, and she's like, "Is this okay?" And I'm like, "I, I trust you, cat. I trust you, cat." You know, but I first of all, I think that there's wisdom to be found elsewhere. I mean, just you wait until I rock up with Dr. Seuss because I will one of these days. Um, but it's it, that's been amazing for me because it's been a little way for me to bring a little bit of. Of, of me, of uh, a little individuality as a way to, to better, you know, to, to, to give to the lodge. It's something I can give of myself that um, while still remaining completely appropriate, it's me saying something meaningful to me within the confine, within the structure of the sonnet. 
And I love that. So, Brother Cat, I really like what you said about this, this sonnet, you know, how, how you brought your individuality into Lodge. And I think, you know, tying this back into, into cosplay and Freemasonry, I think both, though being very different things, have a lot of similarities. And in these similarities, uh, I think we find that the goal is, is entertainment, but at the same time, self-improvement. It's something we can enjoy doing, but it's something we can get something out of, you know? And, and, and in this, both things share this, this, this goal. And ultimately, we, we are trying to bring our individual, individuality out. We're trying to express who we are, to find that which was lost, as you mentioned, Brother Axel. And while people would say putting on a costume is hiding who you are, I think it's the opposite. I think yeah. putting a costume on, whether it be in the craft or in any other uh, you know, group that does those type of things, it's actually, it's giving you the courage and empowering you to bring out what you are because we are so scared as human beings. Yeah. And I think overcoming that fear can maybe be one of the most powerful things a costume can give us. I, I absolutely agree. Um, there are many paths to enlightenment. And there's no rule that says just because it's good for you or just because it's medicine that it has to taste terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of reason, a lot of why you asked before why adults don't typically do this as much as children do is we forget that we're also entitled to joy. We're busy making a living and we're busy raising the next generation and we're busy doing all of these other things. And we forget that our souls still need joy also. And so if that's what it takes um, to help you in that direction, it's just as good as, as anything else. It, does that make sense? Absolutely. Wow, what a wonderful conversation, bros. I think that's a, a glorious place to end this particular episode Absolutely. of Legends of the Craft. Hey. Brother Smith, thank you for joining us yes, tonight. thank you. It was Any truly time, a pleasure. Guys, this is fun. <laughs> hey, we'll might have you back for the gender one. So. Sure. I don't think we could yeah. avoid it. Well, you know, that one, I, I think we're going to, yeah, I, I bet you somebody's going to get very offended. So, I mean, that's full. Awesome. No. That's inevitable <laughs> at this point. So, join us next time for another uh, episode of Legends of the Craft. Thank you for listening to Legends of the Craft. This podcast is purely the opinion of brothers Matthias Concier and Axel Suvari and does not represent the official views of Universal Clomasonry. Universal Clomasonry is a Masonic order founded on the principles of liberty, equality, and fraternity that admits men and women without distinction of race, religion, or creed. For more information, please visit Universal Freemasonry dot org.